Thanks for tuning in to the Diabetes Dish Podcast brought to you by DiabeticLifestyle.com. Here's your host, Maureen Connolly. Welcome to our webinar, Mindful Eating for Weight Loss and Better Health. I'm Maureen Connolly, the editor of DiabeticLifestyle.com and the host of The Diabetes Dish, a new webinar and podcast series from Vertical Health. So if you're not already a regular visitor to Diabetic Lifestyle, I hope you check out the site because we've got tons of articles on healthy eating, how to manage your blood sugar, inspirational stories, celebrity interviews, including a great Q&A we did with Nick Jonas, who has type 1 diabetes. And the site also has hundreds of diabetes-friendly recipes created by James Beard Award-winning cookbook authors. Of course, our free webinars wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. And today's webinar is sponsored in part by Sugar Medical, the makers of medical supply bags. And what I love about Sugar Medical's bags is that they are super functional and they come in a bunch of different fabrics and materials. And here's the best part. 25 participants listening right now are going to receive a free bag from Sugar Medical. If you've won a bag, you'll get an email from Diabetic Lifestyle letting you know how to claim your prize. To check out their bags, go to sugarmedical.com. So before we get started, a few quick notes. The presentation is about 40 minutes and will follow with a 10-minute question and answer session. You can type your questions in the box you see in the lower right-hand corner of your screen. And your participation will be anonymous, so no worries. Um, and we won't be able to get to all of the questions, but we will post answers on our website to anything that doesn't get covered today. And if you can't stay with us for the whole webinar, don't worry. You, you'll get an email with a link to access the recording and the slides. So now for the topic you've all been waiting to hear more about, mindful eating for weight loss and better health. So mindfulness research is a hot right now. Each week I read research alerts about the role mindfulness can play in everything from improving your blood sugar and blood pressure to losing weight and keeping it off. And a few months ago I actually started using the techniques that our guest expert is about to share with you today to try and ditch my own mindless snacking habit. So I've been known to de-stress by digging into a bag of tortilla chips. And it's been kind of cool to see the effect that these techniques can have. I've actually cut back a lot on the mind, mindless snacking, and I've also been able to lose a few pounds, which is pretty great. So here to lead you on your journey to mindful eating is certified diabetes educator and leading nutrition expert Susan Weiner. Susan has a private nutrition counseling practice based in Belmore, New York, where she teaches clients how to eat healthier and more mindfully. She is also the American Association of Diabetes Educators 2015 Educator of the Year and the recipient of the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation's 2016 Dare to Dream Award. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much, Maureen, and a very special thank you to Diabetic Lifestyle for the opportunity to discuss the life-changing topic of mindful eating. I'm grateful to each and every one of you for being present in this moment as we explore how to become empowered and how to eat more mindfully. Participating in today's webinar is going to be the start of your journey towards a more mindful and positive life. Can you identify with Charlene? Fed up with how her diet is going, Charlene takes a more serious aim at her target weight. Has your doctor or healthcare provider ever suggested a target weight for you that seems really unobtainable? Perhaps a body weight that you haven't seen for years or even decades? Well, many of us have been there and that can sure be very frustrating. Many weight loss or diet programs continue to use outdated and unrealistic weight loss charts and measurements. So if you feel overwhelmed by these unrealistic expectations, I want you to know that you're not alone. And the good news is that you can lose weight in a healthy way and most importantly, keep the weight off. After all, that's what's really important. Today we're going to focus on specific mindful and practical strategies tools and techniques to help you reach your health and weight loss go goals. And I really hope that Charlene is listening as well today. I've been a registered dietitian nutritionist and a certified diabetes educator for over 25 years now. And the one thing that I hear almost every day from almost all of my patients is I just 
can't go on another diet. I don't know what to do anymore. And while I listen, but before I can respond, that initial statement is usually followed up by another statement from my patient or question, something to the effect of, how much weight can I lose by my wedding or by my high school reunion or some other important life event? Another common question is, how much weight do you think I can lose by my next doctor's appointment? So think about it. Have you ever postponed your doctor's appointment because you were worried that you might be judged on the fact that you haven't lost weight since your last visit? Again, if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. Just last week, I saw a really lovely woman in my office by the name of Janice who shared with me that she was, quote, successful on a well-known weight loss program where she lost over 60 pounds. But after a brief pause, she clarified that and told me that over the past six months, she not only gained back that 60 pounds, but she packed on an additional 15 as well. So the truth is that we know that diets alone don't work because overly restricting, restricting what you eat certainly doesn't work in the long run and it backfires quite often. Since childhood and through adulthood, we're always bombarded with endless lists of the latest must-have superfoods for weight loss, and we're told what we should eat or we should not eat, especially when you have diabetes. So much attention is paid to how we eat that we forget what we should be eating and why we're eating it. We need to connect with the experience of eating. We need to eat more in accordance with our hunger signals and not just eat in response to emotional issues. Of course, all of this needs to be balanced with good nutrition, but the trick is to make mindful food choices which work in your life and with your lifestyle. So going forward, try not to measure your success in how much weight you lose or how quickly you lose that weight, but rather in health benefits, including keeping off the excess weight for the long term. My patients and I work together to set weight loss and health goals. We use a team approach and we use mindful principles. Our goals are based on lifestyle changes and behaviors. If the almighty scale is the only barometer you're using, then you're not being mindful about your healthy behaviors and your journey might be doomed. You may start to repeat your past behaviors. So today we're going to think very positively. It's not about you excluding all fats or completely avoiding carbohydrates or only eating grapefruits for a month. It's about starting with a mindful awareness so that you can nourish your body. A mindful path to a healthy weight is not based on a strict diet that you go on and off of. So let's all get off that yo-yo dieting merry-go-round. And during today's discussion, please try to listen closely, be in the moment, be mindful in order to gain an awareness of why you choose to, to eat throughout the day. So let's go over a few reasons we might be eating. Many social and environmental factors may stand in the way of you being able to figure out how hungry you are. So think about this. For example, some of us eat on autopilot. What did you have for breakfast today? And be honest with yourself. Many people eat the same thing day in and day out. So try to notice whether you're stuck in a major eating rut that may lead to boredom, which may lead to overeating. Ask yourself if too often you may be eating on the run or eating your worries or anxieties from the day's demands. Remember that mindless eating can lead to eating more calories, which in turn can lead to weight gain. And how about those external cues that we all have during the day, like the, the clock strikes 12, so it's time to eat lunch. And often we need to eat at certain times of the day because that's when we have a break at work or at home or whatever's going on with your schedule. But we also need to realize how hungry we are during that time period and while we're eating. Many of us eat based on our backgrounds, based on our religious backgrounds or region where we grew up or based on our cultural background. 
Of course, we may choose some foods based on budget. Money can be a factor in many cases when it comes to food selection. However, there are so many ways to make very mindful and healthy food choices on a budget, and I think that that's a really great topic for a future webinar discussion. We're going to spend some time about eating in response to true physical hunger, which is necessary when you're trying to lose weight and maintain a healthy body weight. We will talk about the importance of recognizing your hunger signals in just a few minutes. The relationship between food and emotions is an obviously complicated one. So emotions and feelings including stress or anger, anxiety, boredom, loneliness, and sadness may prompt you to sometimes turn to food for comfort. We will discuss specific tools, strategies, and tips to help avoid using food to manage your feelings. And over my years of practice, I, I've discovered a lot about fatigue, actually confusing hunger signals with fatigue and thirst. When you're tired, you're supposed to sleep. When you're hungry, you're supposed to eat. And when you're thirsty, you're supposed to drink. However, sometimes when we're tired, we tend to eat more to try to stay awake. So these are the kind of feelings and both physical feelings and emotional feelings that we really need to pay close attention to. Mindful eating is being more aware of your eating habits. Mindful eating explores the sensations you're experiencing when you eat and the thoughts of emotions you may have about food. When you're mindful, you're fully present in the moment, paying attention exactly what you're doing now during today's webinar discussion. Hopefully you're not texting at the same time that you're on the phone or checking emails. You're present in our discussion today. When it comes to eating, Mindfulness allows you to listen to your body's cues so you can actually hear loud and clear when you're hungry and when you're satisfied. Also, mindful eating focuses on eating with intention, and that means selecting what you want to eat, choosing what you want to eat, and again, paying attention in that moment of what you're eating. It also allows you to enjoy food with your senses. Mindful eating and being present in the moment allows you to savor your food, smell your food, see your food, taste your food, rather than just gobbling it down. But as is true with all new skills that you're trying to develop, you need to take some of the mindful eating practices that we'll discuss today and actually use them in your everyday life. It takes a little time to become more comfortable with some of the mindful eating techniques, especially because you haven't been doing it for so many years. So I feel like right now I'm with all of you listening today and you're having a little bit of an aha moment thinking about eating with intention and attention because it makes so much sense to eat that way. And we can't give up eating the way that if you are having problems with um, another type of substance that you might be doing too much of, like drinking or something like smoking or using tobacco, you can't give up food the same way. So eating has to be done in a mindful and enjoyable and healthy way. But eating in a healthy way is not always easy for us. So I wanted to just mention why we need to eat. Um, and we all know that we need to eat because nutrients provide energy and the nutrients that provide calories or food energy are carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. And we also need foods to eat that contain these nutrients that fuel to build our cells for our tissues, for our organs, and to keep the body functioning and to keep the brain thinking. Our foods also contain vitamins and minerals and we need to drink plenty of water in order to stay hydrated and remember what we talked about before that if we're thirsty or even if your thirst sensors are not that acute and you're not thirsty you may still need water and you definitely need to stay hydrated.
I also want to dispel the myth about a diabetes diet. There's actually no such thing as just one diabetes diet that's helpful for everybody. In fact, diet plans should be completely individualized. So one size does not fit all. Everyone has different requirements. Of course, people with diabetes should be aware that foods with carbohydrates can affect blood glucose levels. But to say that there is one specific diabetic diet that every person with diabetes should follow discounts the fact that we're all different and all of our food plans should meet our needs and our lifestyle. So I am very mindful that not everyone with diabetes is following the same meal plan. I want you all to start to honor yourselves today. So say to yourself that you're going to honor me, not me, but yourself, honor me. So here are just a few tidbits of information that I think you can use when you're honoring yourself and honoring yourself across this journey of mindful eating. First, hold off those food police. Everyone's always chit-chatting about dieting and judgment about food choices for weight loss and diabetes management. This is so commonplace that family and friends often aren't truly aware of the impact it may be having on your self-esteem. It's so judgmental. Everyone has an opinion on food and nutrition. So just try to brush off the food police the best you can. Trust yourself. Be mindful. I'm sure that you're making good decisions a lot of the time, and at least you're on your journey working towards more great decisions. Own your emotions. Cope with your emotions rather than numbing yourself with food. Try not to eat because you're stressed out or angry or sad, and I know that that's a tall order, but hopefully you can work on becoming much more aware of this issue with some of our discussion and tools from today. Don't eat till you're stuffed, only eat till you're satisfied. Eat until you're not hungry anymore. And enjoy your food. Please remember that food is not a reward and food is definitely not a punishment. Enjoy your food and remember to be present in the moment when you're actually eating. Don't think about what you ate before and don't think about what you're eating later. Try to think about what you're eating now and enjoy it. Recognize your hunger signals. Use a simple hunger scale to help you recognize how hungry you are. And stay tuned, we're going to discuss that hunger scale in just a few moments. Make moderation your key. You can still have certain foods, which you may previously have thought were taboo, if you eat them mindfully, only occasionally, and in moderation. One of my patients, John, enjoys his mom's spaghetti and meatballs every single Sunday night at dinner. He goes to visit her at, his ha at her house, and it's, it's a family tradition. Everyone's there. But every Sunday, he was eating way too much of those spaghetti and meatballs and gaining a lot of weight, and his blood sugar was rising at the same time. We talked through a few mindful strategies, such as using a smaller plate and avoiding eating an extra, and I'm sorry, eating an extra serving of veggies before diving into his meal, which helped him learn to eat less of his favorite meal and still enjoy the company and the ambiance of the meal. He also started to eat much more slowly. And what happened to John when he ate more slowly was he savored the flavor and the aroma of the food. He's now losing weight and he's feeling great at the same time. And of course, it's always important to incorporate exercise into your daily routine. It goes without saying that exercise is very helpful in stress reduction and can even help you sleep better at night. During office visits, my patients and I often walk outside, weather permitting here in New York, instead of having our conversations and discussions on a couch inside my office. Every step counts, and it's such a great way to unwind during the day. Savor your food rather than soothing yourself with food. Remember that doing things for yourself isn't selfish. It's actually self-preservation. And even if you improve just one 
self-care behavior at a time, you will see a huge improvement before you know it. One self-care behavior is to savor your food so you'll enjoy it and you'll nourish your body at the same time and satisfy your taste buds. So here are a couple of great ways to savor your food and appreciate eating. Once you become more mindful, you'll definitely appreciate your food even more than you do now. Make some time and eat slower. Eating is not a race. Take the time to savor your food and enjoy the eating experience. You will be so much more likely to notice when you're full if you chew your food more and you digest it properly. You're going to appreciate what you took the time to eat. And of course, time is not always on your side, but do the best you can to make time to eat during the day. Always sit down when you're eating. This is a big one for so many of my clients. Try not to eat in front of the refrigerator or over the sink. My patient Patty, this is a very common problem. Patty's recently divorced and she had trouble adjusting to her new eating routine because she didn't eat alone before she was divorced. So we talked about her setting a place for herself at the table including a place setting, using a wine glass, and filling it with sparkling water. She enjoys music in the background and feels so much better about the ambiance now surrounding her meals. Patty deserves to enjoy her food, and now she feels more empowered every time she eats. Another really great mindful technique is remembering to breathe, actually taking deep breaths. There are times when we just forget to take the time to breathe and relax. I would suggest taking a few deep breaths before you eat anything, whether it's a carrot or a cookie. Take a few breaths so that you stay aware in the moment and you are aware and savoring the food of what you eat. Always pay attention. Paying attention to the details of our food can be a great way to start eating mindfully. Pay attention to the crunchiness of that apple or the sour taste of the lemon or the creaminess of a Greek yogurt because when you wolf down a food in two minutes, it can be impossible to really appreciate what you're eating, let, let alone savor the flavors of what you're eating. Also, put your fork down between bites. Putting the utensil, your utensil down is a great way to slow down your pace of eating. And another really fun idea that you can try when you're, if you want to eat more slowly is to use your left dominant hand. So if you're a righty, use your left hand to eat. That will certainly slow down your pace. Another fun way to slow down your pace of eating is to use chopsticks. You'll really enjoy what you're eating if you're not used to eating chopsticks and you'll eat it at a slower pace. Feel your fullness. Don't just eat all your food on your plate until it's gone. How many of you are members of the Clean Plate Club? Well, it's time to revoke your membership. If you're satisfied and not hungry anymore, it's time to stop eating. Which leads us to one of the best ideas of of keeping track of what you're eating, which is keeping a food journal or a food record. Keeping a food journal is one of the greatest tools in your toolbox for mindful eating. It'll help you recognize what is triggering you to possibly overeat or to eat foods that you're really not appreciating. Now, everyone has different strategies and techniques. Some people like to keep it in a notebook, your food record in a notebook. Some people like to use an app, and we have a lot of great apps listed here. All of them are free. Or to use some websites, or you could even use the notes section of your smartphone or a spreadsheet. One thing I like to point out with using an app that might not work for some people, which is why they use pen and paper or a notebook, all of these apps, unless it's one that just records your food and not it's one that doesn't assess what you're eating. In other words, showing you how much protein, fat, carbohydrate, and calories you're eating. Sometimes when we're trying to lose weight, especially when we have diabetes, 
we're tired of being judged by numbers. So if you don't want to see numbers coming back at you, just write down your food record in a food diary. It'll make it a lot easier um, for you not to be feeling judged by, by numbers. And in your food record, um, it's important to track a number of things. Always write down the dates and times that you're eating because it's, it's not a matter of uh, being a report card or being you know, a newspaper article. This is kept for you to identify patterns of what you're eating. Um, I have a patient who's a teacher and she noticed on her own, she didn't have to even figure this out along with me, that every day she was stuffing a handful of chips or pretzels in her mouth at about 3.15 because it was, when, it was after the kids were let out of school and the day was over. So it was her way of kind, she felt that she was rewarding herself after a stressful day. And once she identified the time and what she was doing, she was able to make a change in that behavior because she was being very mindful and in the moment. It's also helpful, especially at the beginning of keeping a food journal, of recording the food and the beverage in, a, in an approximate quantity. Even if you don't want to weigh and measure it, just write small, medium, or large, so you can realize if you're overeating at a specific meal or during a specific time. And of course, it's really helpful to analyze your food journal and your blood glucose log to see how they're working together. Are you eating a variety of different foods or are you eating the same things all the time and does that send you off for binging? Do you see any patterns in what you're doing? Again, looking at these things together and seeing how what you're eating is affecting your weight and your blood glucose levels can be very, very helpful. So if you eat it, if you bite it, then you write it. And be very honest, the only kind of food journal that really works is one that's honestly written and very detailed. But again, we're all different. So write things down that are important to you. What works for me may not work exactly for you. And write down, as I said before, all the foods in the approximate portions and record your comments. Now, comments for a lot of people are so helpful in reviewing your food journal. And a comment might be um, so that you remember why you did it when you look back, that you were off at an appointment and it was running late, or you had to switch your meal time or snack time because you were at a meeting or on a phone call. So it will help you to explain to yourself when you review it what might need to be changed during your day. Now here we are. Here is the level, the hunger scale that I want everybody familiar with. Um, it's very important to rate your hunger when you're eating, at the time that you're eating, or right before you're eating. You would be considered a 10 if you are so stuffed with what you ate that you couldn't possibly eat another bite, you might actually throw up if you put anything else in your mouth. This goes down, we won't have to go through all the numbers, but this gives you a really good idea of how you could eat more mindfully. Try not to eat at any of these very high numbers. If you're uncomfortably full or very full or full, that's not the time to mindfully eat. Now, at about a number five, you start to feel a little bit hungry. And then as you get a little bit lower, you don't want to get to the point of being a two or especially a one, especially if you do have diabetes, right? So you're doing something not healthy or not correct possibly with your portions or with what you are eating if you're constantly at a 10 or if you're constantly at a one or a two. So feeling these hunger cues are very important. Rate your hunger and indicate your, hunger, your level of hunger in your food journal. So when you review it, you can adjust it the next time you eat. I think this is a fantastic tool for your toolbox. And once you rate your hunger and keep your food journal, you're going to become 
so much more empowered and able to take on mindful eating choices. After discovering your triggers and identifying those patterns, you're going to create a food environment that you're happy with and that can help you stay on your journey for weight loss. Now, how do you meet your, your needs without food? If you were currently overeating to numb a feeling, then we have to talk about other things you should be doing for yourself to stay mindful, to stay in the moment. A really important one that we overlook is getting enough sleep and getting enough rest. And anyone listening today who has diabetes knows that if you don't sleep well, then your blood sugars are not going to be responding well. So if you're not sleeping well, definitely have a discussion with your doctor about it and possibly a sleep study if they find that that's necessary. And express your feelings. You know, being heard and being understood is very important. Explore that and try to find ways that will help you become creatively stimulated and intellectually stimulated so you're not trying to turn to food to deal with your emotions. All these things can be very helpful in staying mindful. And the next time that you're feeling bored, if you are thirsty, make sure that you drink water. And if you are tired again, make sure that you sleep. Um, keep your hands busy. So something good to, to do rather than to eat might be to knit um, and this, and, or to crochet, or to do needlepoint, or to do a puzzle, or to do something with your hands. So I have a patient who's a former firefighter. He's this really burly guy. Um, he's a big guy, and he couldn't think of something to do at night to keep himself from being bored when watching TV. And he, it was the best thing ever. He came into my office with a couple of oven mitts that he had crocheted for me. It was the, the best gift ever um, that he had put together so that he was doing something rather than eating at night. Another great thing that you can do is to stay very active. Make sure that you walk. Make sure that you strength train. Make sure that you um, stretch even while you're watching TV, but stay active. It's really important to eat off a plate that's not super large. We eat about 92% of what's on our plate. So if you use a nine inch plate or bowl rather than a super large plate or a bowl, you're going to wind up eating less, right? Also, in terms of nutritional choices, try as best as you can to fill up on low carb, low calorie, fiber-rich vegetables. So think about some of the vegetables that you may enjoy, um, whether it's raw vegetables like cucumbers or carrots or celery or cooked vegetables that you might enjoy. Make sure that you incorporate plenty of them in your diet so that and when I use the word diet, that's not restriction. That's just your intake of food. When you're eating your delicious meal, make sure that you enjoy the taste and the smell and the aroma, just like I worked on with John so that he was able to enjoy a little bit of a smaller portion of those spaghettis and meatballs, and he made it a lot more about being and eating with his family than he did about just wolfing down that food. And all of us are guilty of this at one point or another, Stay off your cell phone when you're eating. How many times have you even gone out to a restaurant and you see people at the table next to you not even enjoying their meal? They're just on their cell phones talking or texting or chatting. They're not enjoying each other or other people at the, tail, at the table. All they're doing is texting on their cell phone. Distracted eating is the opposite of mindful eating. So let's, let's get past doing that as well. While you're enjoying your meal or your snack, um, it's important to eat your foods 
with moderation and in variety and balance. So these words can be very telling. So eating foods in moderation means just that mindful moderation will help you stay on your journey to a healthy meal plan. So even though there may be some of your favorite foods, you can't eat as much of them as you'd like all the time. Eat them in proper portions and you'll be able to have them occasionally. And guess what? Having them occasionally, you're going to really appreciate them a lot. A little bit of variety is good. And I'm talking about variety within the healthy arena of foods, of course. But staying in a rut and eating the same thing all the time can certainly backfire on you. So try to eat a rainbow. This is a perfect picture on the slide of different fruits and vegetables and proteins and just different varieties so you can, you can observe the te different textures and colors and aroma and always keep balance of what you're doing. Don't overly restrict yourself. You want to definitely always enjoy your food. If you're someone who's not usually thirsty, try putting yourself on what I like to call a water schedule. Set yourself up based on your daily, daily routine. So say by 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to put a reminder on my phone or my computer or look at my watch and I'll drink four ounces of water. And I'll drink another six ounces by two o'clock in the afternoon. By the end of the day, you will have drank a lot more water than you might have done without a water schedule. And this will help you to differentiate between thirst and hunger. Also, if you increase a lot of the fiber content of the diet, you want to increase water as well. Next slide. So these, this just shows a couple of ideas of what a portion would look like. Three ounces of protein, meat, fish, chicken, etc., would look like the size of a deck of cards or about the palm of your hand. But if you're not sure, during the first couple of weeks of mindful eating, just to get yourself to a portion, maybe weigh and measure it a few times until you get the visual. About an ounce of cheese is the size of your thumb. A cup of milk or yogurt is about the size of your fist. And a teaspoon of oil is about the size of the tip of your thumb. So I thought this would be fun to look at this before we get to questions. Um, look at what the size of a bagel was. 20 years ago, okay? Everybody remembers this. It was three inches in diameter. Now a bagel is about six inches of diameter. So we went from 140 calories to 350 calories, which is a 210 calorie difference. That was seriously not a mindful choice when we jumped from going to a very small bagel to a much larger bagel. That, that definitely um, added on a lot of calories for us. And we weren't even thinking about it. It's just what a typical bagel looks like. If you looked at a bagel that was the size of the one on the left, you would think that you were getting gypped or that it was a mini bagel or a small portion. And please note that the calories on these bagels are without cream cheese, butter, tuna salad, chicken salad, you know, this is just the bagels. So adding up that difference is certainly um, not, not a great thing. Uh, we have a few more of these fun slides coming up too. We can go to the next slide, please. So I'm not recommending that we go out to fast food. I'm just showing you this because I want you to observe the incredibly large portion difference. So 20 years ago, a serving of french fries was about 2.4 ounces and clocked in at 210 calories. Today, a serving of french fries is about 6.9 ounces and 610 calories. And again, this is not showing you what it would be like if you had it with a burger or you poured french fries, um, you poured ketchup all over the fries or even melted cheese. And the difference just between these two portions is 
hundred calories, which is so enormously significant. Let's do another one. Ah, on portion patrol, let's take a look at your coffee. 20 years ago, we didn't have all these fancy coffee places. 20 years ago, we had a plain cup of coffee, maybe even with a little bit of whole milk and a little bit of sugar. And that clocked in with a teaspoon of sugar, let's say at around 45 calories. Today, if you have a fancy coffee that included some syrup, you're talking about 350 calories, and I'm being kind here. I could have shown some coffees with whipped cream on top of it and all other kinds of things that pack on calories. If you grab that in the morning along with a big muffin, then you're going to be way over your calorie budget. So be mindful of your beverages as well as the food that you're eating. The difference here, a tremendous 300 and five calories. If you grabbed a muffin with that coffee 20 years ago, it would have been a 1.5 ounce muffin at 210 calories. And today it's a four ounce muffin at 500 calories. The difference is 290 calories. I think you get the point I've been trying to make here about the difference in portion sizes. Another really great and important way to stay grateful on your health journey every single day is to use whatever motivational reminders are helpful to you. And there's a lot of great free apps of reminders that can come to you every single day to remind you about how wonderful and beautiful you are on the inside as well as the outside. A healthy outside really does start from the inside. So start by feeling good for yourself and feel really good about the choices that you're making. All these things that will work together are going to help you on your journey. Reward yourself not with food, with almost anything that you like except for food. So some people find it helpful to actually pay themselves for being mindful. So take a, a, I always say that clear is king, that's the organizer in me. Use a, a glass jar or a clear container that you can see through and every time that you do something mindful that's positive with your food, put a dollar in the jar and later you'll have some money to purchase something to reward yourself with. You can treat yourself to a soothing massage or take a nice, warm, relaxing lavender bubble bath or with bath, any kind of fun um, bath foam that you enjoy. And make sure that you get enough sleep as we talked about before. It, it bears repeating because oftentimes you may feel like you're craving food when you're tired. Take a power nap or employ important sleep techniques to get to sleep and to stay asleep. Um, celebrate your mindfulness by taking a walk in a beautiful and scenic place like a beach or a hiking trail. Visit a free cultural or art center or museum and read a book, load some fun songs onto your iPod, sip your favorite coffee or tea in a new and favorite mug. It's always great to drink tea out of a mug that you really enjoy. Start a new board on a, on a site like Pinterest and include some of your favorite inspirational quotes. You know what? Support can be really helpful on your mindful journey. And at Diabetic Lifestyle, we're also here to help support you. So make sure that you check out a lot of our resources as well. There is a very strong brain-body connection when it comes to mindful eating. So again, eat less sugar, drink less caffeine, and consume less caffeine and less alcohol. Exercise regularly and stay active during your day. Even if it's not planned exercise, just taking the stairs more often if you're able to or walking a little bit um, during the day or exercising by riding a bicycle or hiking 
Um, stretching, walking in place, whatever you can do is helpful. Getting enough sleep also helps keep your hormone levels in check. And once you achieve your desired weight, you will also see a lot of improvements in your daily diabetes management. So what we've talked about today is doing the best you can do to be the most mindful you. What matters most is really how you see yourself. So as we see here, we have a beautiful little kitty cat who sees a lion roaring back in the mirror. And that's what, what I want everyone here to do today. Um, and what I'd love to do now, Maureen, is to open this up from, for some questions from our very attentive and mindful listeners. So please ask away. Okay, thanks so much, Susan. Uh, our first question here is, someone asks, I want to lose 20 pounds. Should I keep a food journal until I lose the whole amount or should I do it for longer? Oh, I love that question. Um, when I speak to people about their food journal initially, they're a little bit skittish because they feel like it's a little bit of a homework assignment, but we, we don't look at it or view it that way at all. So if you want to lose a certain amount of weight, and please be kind to yourself and generous to yourself, um, and be mindful on the journey of that weight loss because it might be easier to lose that 20 pounds when you're 20 years old than when you're 40 years old and when you're, or when you're 60 years old. Um, so while you're at the beginning of the journey and you're keeping the food record, find what is most helpful on that food record for you and keep it during that time and at the beginning of when you're maintaining your weight because weight maintenance is, of course, the most difficult thing in the world to do. Anyone who's tried to keep weight off for the long term knows how challenging this can be. And eventually, you may stop keeping the food journal, but if you see any of your older habits returning, go back to the food journal, because that tool is so helpful in your toolbox and in your journey for mindfulness. And in your, in your um, food journal as well, remember, you can keep it as a grateful journal as well. The two of them work really well together. Okay, so our second question, should I use the hunger scale even before I eat a snack? Asks one participant. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that that's a really great question because no matter what you eat, you want to be very mindful of your hunger scale, right? So especially if it's a snack, and even more especially if it's a snack that you didn't plan, you really do need to think about how mindful, how hungry that you are at that moment. So before you eat anything, think about where you are on that hunger scale. And going back to the hunger scale, for a moment, I did use a hunger scale in today's presentation that used numbers from 10 to 0. You can use fewer numbers if you are not a numbers person. It is, if it's easier for you to kind of tailor make that for you for a scale from 10 to 5 um, or 5 to 0, that's fine. Use a technique that's great for you. But even if you're not writing it down in a journal, Make that number something that you're thinking about because it's going to help you stay much more mindful in your choices. Okay, and then our third participant um, or question is, um, someone says, I'm a mom and I'm always on the go. What if I don't have time to slow down and eat breakfast or lunch? So that's a pretty, pretty. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that one. That is such a relatable question, isn't it? And being a mom is always the hardest job in the world because you're constantly multitasking. And when we have so much going on in our minds, we're pretty low on the, on the totem pole um, of the priority list. Our, our kids seem to come first. I go back to some mindful organizational uh, tips here. Plan, the, the morning minutes 
in, in terms of thinking about what you're going to eat for the day, and that includes breakfast in this mom's and participant's question here, is not the time to plan for breakfast. The time to kind of think about it might be the day before because morning minutes, especially for busy moms, are just too precious. There's too much thought, there's too much to do in the morning, and especially if you're a mom who has diabetes or if your child has diabetes, there's just too many things that need to be done in the morning. So anything that can be accomplished the night before, like pre-planning your breakfast and lunch, packing it, setting your non-perishable stuff out in the morning so that it's ready for you and your perishable stuff in some kind of container ready to go for the next day is really going to help you because it's never going to be perfect, but you're going to have it with you when you need it. I also will tell you as, as a mom myself, my kids are a bit older now, but as a mom myself, myself your kids are observing you as a mom. They are looking to you for guidance and they are observing what you're eating. If they see you not eating well or you not sitting down during a meal, they will eventually question why they have to sit down at a meal or why they have to eat their vegetables or why they um, are eating more slowly, why they need to eat more slowly. So you're also encouraging your children to adopt healthy and mindful and habits based on you setting an example for them. I think that that's a really important point for moms. That's excellent advice, Susan, as um, everything here we learned today. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing this great advice on mindful eating. Um, and thanks again to our sponsor, Sugar Medical. Uh, and don't forget to check back at Diabetic Lifestyle for additional resources on mindful eating. You can also sign up for our next webinar, which will be free, and on the topic of organization, how to use organization to improve your diabetes, your health, and your life. You'll get tips about organizing your morning routine, your diabetes supplies, kitchen organization, travel, and more. So go to DiabeticLifestyle.com and search webinars to sign up. And we hope to see you soon. Thanks again.